Neha, what's the tea? You mean the novelty? Welcome to The Novelty, a podcast dedicated to books. Not just the Western male-centric works from your high school lit class. We'll also read books by women, people of color, and from around the world. We'll dive into literary technique and character analysis. But don't worry, we aren't afraid to spill the tea and give our unfiltered opinions. Together, we'll redefine the classics. Will today's pick stand the test of time? Keep listening to find out. Hi everyone. Before we start today's episode, we wanted to thank everyone who has listened so far and supported us. If you like what you hear, we would love for you to like, rate, and review our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. This helps other listeners discover our podcast and enjoy the content that we produce. So this week, we read uh, Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. This was our first memoir. Until now, we've only done fiction. So that was kind of a new thing. It's about this Korean American woman who, as she's kind of becoming an adult, her mother gets diagnosed with cancer. And the whole book is about her relationship with her mother and her mother dying. Um, so not something you want to keep on hand if you need to not cry. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good in a way that we know from the beginning that she dies. It's not like a, a fault in our stars situation where the cancer death is, it comes as a surprise. So I think that kind of prepares us in a way where it's not that sad, but still sad. But yeah, so I'll just do like a quick character breakdown of all the characters there aren't a ton of characters besides michelle and her mom but there are a few others that kind of come in and out and that's peter which is ends up being michelle's um husband or boyfriend and then michelle's dad and there's Kay, who comes and helps oh is it Kay? i was saying kai mm-hmm. oh i don't know i i was saying Kay. Kay whichever White. it is oh kai mm-hmm. oh you're probably right it's kai Kai, yeah. 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 Because um, she comes and helps out when her mother's really sick. And then um, she has some relatives back in Korea that when she visits, they kind of play a role too. Mm-hmm. So, did you pick a theme? I will be honest, I didn't really have a theme for this book. And it was hard because this book was nonfiction, it was a memoir. And so I felt like the themes that were there were pretty, it was all face value. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was reading between the lines for anything. So, I don't know. Did you have a theme? I also had the same difficulty where I was like, okay, obviously the themes here are grief and loss and identity and culture. And I was like, those are the main face value themes that we come across. So I was trying to be like, I'm different. Like, I'm not like other people. And I was trying to like, <laughs> think of like, <laughs> yeah, like a unique theme. I did land on one. This does say more about the author than like the actual story that she tells in this book but it was um expression because I think Michelle Zahner as a person first of all she's an incredible person she is an artist like she uses music as a form of expression she obviously uses writing and then this whole book kind of 
revolves around her relationship with her mother in forms of food and cooking, which is another form of expression. So I think Michelle Zahner as a person just like uses all forms of expression to cope with her loss or just life in general. So that's the theme I picked. That's a nice theme. I like it because I feel like she, especially with Asian families, I feel it's not, I don't know, like in most families, people are not saying I love you every night to each other. Mm-hmm. And so expressions of love and other emotions are can be, like she explains in the book, can be complicated or like layered through other things like mm-hmm. actions and um, other ways of expression. So that's a nice theme. Yeah. Did you end up landing on another theme or you were just like, I kind of gave up. <laughs> I went into it with um, thinking I was going to use humor because same thing. Okay. I was like, I'm going to be different. Like it's about <laughs> sadness. So I'm going to pick the opposite. And I didn't find, I think I found irony more than humor. And yeah. she is like pretty bleak is a strong word, but she uses kind of, she describes things as they are and doesn't really try to fluff up or, romanticize things which Mm -hmm. contrasts what she's going through like warm food and like maybe some criticism from her mother so I think there I just found like irony in some parts not not like laugh out loud humor per se yeah I agree even though it was like a a sad premise it it still kind of felt like a light read and I think that's it because it was so real and it wasn't romanticized like you said it felt very relatable, even though even if you do still have a mom that and you don't have a family member that passed from cancer, I still feel like it's kind of a relatable book in that way. Yeah. Um. So the book, it starts the first chapter was an essay in The New Yorker, Crying in H Mart. And she basically exactly how it was published in The New Yorker. That's the first chapter. I thought, I mean, I was just going to go in order of the book to talk about different parts of it. But since that was the first part, I thought that chapter had maybe as much weight and impact as the entire book. Like, mm-hmm. I think that was probably her, maybe, we don't, I don't know, but that was probably her starting point. And I think if you just read that essay, it would have had just as much impact as reading the book. But I did enjoy reading the rest of the book because I think there were like some other moments that added layers to what she talks about in that first chapter. Yeah, the essay is a very like point blank about loss and grief. And it's just it is very sad. But the whole book kind of gives a backstory and like an understanding to the essay. So I think it was a it was a good follow up. Yeah. So when she first went so the book starts with that and then we kind of get some of her backstory and then when she finds out about her mother having cancer and then her boyfriend at the time Peter comes up to be with her I thought that was really sweet mm. yeah I, I wrote down notes about Peter because he was always there but never present like he what he, he was like a quiet presence yeah and I think that was interesting because I feel like with loss especially when like like something as crazy as like you losing your own mother I'm the type of person that would definitely lean on my significant other but Michelle wasn't like that in the book I think she was very independent with the way that she dealt with her loss and so I was surprised when Peter wasn't there more I think also I noticed it with his relationship with her parents he didn't he just was there and he was normal and he was himself he didn't really try to ingratiate himself with them or like 
be over the top and trying to learn their culture, which mm-hmm. he did. He was like, sounded like he was pretty respectful and um, appreciative of it. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes like Western mindset can do the thing where they're like too interested in another culture and it becomes almost like fetishizing. Yeah. There, appropriating. Yeah. Um, and he didn't do that. And I think that's probably partly why her parents liked him. Um, because she said that it wasn't hard for her mom to like him. I was like, wow, that's saying something like Asian mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's very hard to like, please, please. Yeah. Especially with someone who's marrying her daughter. I think it goes to show that the many different ways that people deal with grief. Cause I think when, when you are dealing with something like this, you're, you're just in your own world and you're really thinking about other people. So as I was reading the book and seeing the way that Michelle dealt with her loss, it was all just very different than I think how I would have dealt with the loss the whole time. I was like, that's interesting. Like, Oh, people do that. Okay. Yeah. The the part that stood out to me about that with the grief was especially when she was at home in Eugene with her mom and mm-hmm. her mom was like really sick. She had kind of like failed a couple rounds of chemo and they were taking care of her at home. And she kind of says that she was, she maybe she doesn't say it outright, but she talks about how this is her chance to like be a good daughter and she wants to learn cooking and cook her mom's stuff. And it's so sad because she's trying so hard and she makes all this food and her mom doesn't want any of it. And then the friend Kai comes and she seems to be way more successful at being a companion to her mom and like making her feel more comfortable. And I just felt like that would be so heartbreaking. Like you want to be. The, the caregiver, wall, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like your parents have given you so much, and then when your parents are sick, you want to be that caregiver, and instead she's, like, getting it from someone else. Why do you think that her mother was so accepting of Kai's help versus Michelle's help? Like, do you think it was directly related to the food, or do you think it was something else? I think it maybe had more to do with their relationship. Yeah. Where she was, like, kind of, I don't know, maybe she thought that she was like the mother and she that wasn't the role that the daughter is supposed to play in like the quote-unquote natural order of things but then this other friend she could kind of give in to that and let her take care of her yeah that's what I thought too I think as a mother she just couldn't accept her daughter taking care of her because it's supposed to be the other way around and so she just refused and and it made it I think the way that the book was written it made it seem like it was the food that was the reason why, because Michelle was trying her best to cook food that she thought that her mom would like, but she was refusing. And then Kai came in and started making all these different foods that Michelle had no idea about. And her mother was very grateful. Yeah, I that was one of the big things in this book that I thought was done well is like the portrayal of the mother mother daughter relationship, mm-hmm. um, which I was reading this in New York Times article about like family relationships and when you're back at home and it's talking about the mother daughter relationship as like the most fraught. And it says, it was saying how for a a young girl or even an adult, like your mother's your worst enemy and your best friend. And I think she did a good job of like, she even said it one time, like there was nobody who could make her feel as ugly or like the most beautiful girl in the world. It's so true. Through adolescence, and the book does talk about like their relationship through the years. So the teenage angst years where everybody's a rebel versus like as an adult and a married woman and how that relationship kind of changes and grows. 
And but I think like the teenage years, it's like your mom is the worst person ever. And in us not being mothers yet, it's easy to be like, oh, justify that. Oh, like she wasn't letting me do this. And she wasn't letting me do that. But now that I'm getting older, like as a mother, having your daughter think you're the worst person ever is probably like the worst feeling ever as well. That's probably so hard to be like, I'm my daughter's worst enemy right now. Yeah. And the saddest part, I think, is like I think most women kind of get to or most people when they're getting out of teenage years and even college, I would say, is like probably still lumped in with it. But then once you kind of have to be independent, and live on your own, there's a little bit of a shift and you kind of can relate to your parents a little more. Mm-hmm. And there's probably another shift that happens when you actually become a mother and then you can really relate to your mom. Yeah. But at least that first shift she didn't really have the chance to go through that like when she was just getting to be that age like 25 that was when her mom got sick and so then that had to be the turning point for it and it was so abrupt so that was must have been so hard because she wouldn't have really had that many or maybe she did but as many good memories to fall back on yeah because I think at least for myself my relationship with my mom now is so different than what it was 10 years ago yeah me too even when I was in college, which was like only like, not only, oh my gosh, 10 years ago it was college. <laughs> so yeah. it was a while ago. I would go days without calling my mom. Then she would call me and I'd be like, oh yeah. And then I'd talk to her for some time. And I think I was just like in like a freedom phase of my life. But now, even if I go a day without calling my mom, it feels weird. Yeah. I thought the wedding was really nice. Like, they got to do it at home, and her mom was there. And then, like, when she died, I mean, that part was so sad. Where she had to, like, find clothes for her and dress her. That's so hard. I don't talk about it that much, but um, I had a best friend that passed away when I was in college. And I think doing that kind of stuff, like going into his room after it had happened, going through his things, those moments were the hardest I think just going in like it's just like once they're gone and then you like go and do that stuff just feels like wrong doesn't feel good yeah so yeah I can I I related to her at that part and she was like the way she described it she it seemed like she was so strong just Michelle was just doing all this like by herself and her father unfortunately wasn't the best person to lean on during all this her father throughout this whole book just kind of seemed like a pain ass yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> and their relationship like really falls apart after her mom dies yeah which is like so she kind of I know she kind of alludes to the fact that they didn't have that much of a relationship before to begin with but she does describe some stories of like they went to like an orchard or something and afterwards he kind of he's kind of an ass I know. he's like I'm probably gonna marry someone else I know. And, and I was even, like, she's barely been dead for a month. And like, even if you are, is that something you tell your daughter? For for me, I understood it as not as like, a, oh, I'm moving on type of thing already. He said it because he literally cannot survive without someone taking care of him. And yeah. I think he, he expected Michelle to kind of take on that role. But Michelle was like, no, like I'm not. Their relationship wasn't at a point where she felt like she needed or wanted to do that. So I think that's when he was like, well, I guess I'll just marry someone else then. And that'll help me deal with the loss of losing my wife. And yeah, I know it's like not 
Yeah, and then even the trip that they went on, like, right after... Oh, yeah, they go to Vietnam. Yeah, they go to Vietnam. In the beginning, it was, like, really wholesome. But then near the end of it, I felt like maybe he was just going on that trip to kind of, like, lock in Michelle in his life. Yeah, but then after they come back from the trip, he doesn't really build on that. He doesn't reach out anymore. So, I don't know, she also wrote this other essay in uh, Harper's Bazaar about her dad after all this happened. I think it was Mm -hmm. published after the book was published. And she kind of talks in the book that she knows that her dad has had affairs. And uh, in the essay, her dad, I don't know if he marries or if he's just in a relationship with this much younger woman who's basically her age or maybe younger than her. And she kind of talks about how she struggles with that. And she like thought about reaching out to him. Maybe she even did. And then at the end, she's, it's called choosing forgiveness. So at the end, she's like, I'm going to forgive him. But clearly she hasn't mended the relationship. Like mm-hmm. she's forgiven him for herself, but that doesn't mean that they have a relationship going forward. And, oh, we can put the link also for that essay. Yeah. In the episode description. That part is almost like just as sad as at the point where she lost her mom, she also lost her dad. And even though her dad wasn't that prevalent in her life before that, it's still family. Yeah. Food is like a big part of this book and the way it kind of it ties together her relationship. What were your favorite parts or like, did you like it or not like it? So here's the thing about me. (laughs) I don't like cooking shows. For the reason, I know, hot take, but for the reason. Super hot take. (laughs) So the reason why is because I can't taste the food. That thing could taste like shit and everyone's just acting. Like, I, you don't know. Like, it's like. That's true of anything. Like, you watch a whole makeover and you're like, oh, they didn't really make this. They just like. Someone studio I guess. But like, even like, like, I think that's why I prefer like singing or dancing shows because you can see the talent. Mm-hmm. And you appreciate it. But with cooking shows, this could all be a front. And like, <laughs> you don't, that could be made out of plastic. Like, you don't know. So I just, I don't know. I guess it's just me. Or my, that's just my problem with like that kind of um Yeah, it's show. a you problem. Definitely. Yeah, it's a you problem. <laughs> um, so I kind of like once I started to realize that food was, re- was a big role in this book, I kind of was like, mm, this is stupid. Because like, that's just how I feel about cooking, I guess. But I think she does such a good job of the way that she describes the food. On For me, not being Korean, it's hard for me to understand some of the words and, like, ingredients that she used. But I don't think that like, stopped me from, like, understanding the taste of what she was describing. I think she does a really good job of explaining how things are made and, and how they taste. Yeah. I thought at the beginning of the book... Um, or maybe in the first half, I wasn't as much a fan because I felt like the way she described food was a little bit more like list form. Like in H, the first chapter in H. Mart, she describes kind of a list of what the, all the foods are there. Or when she, the, the first time she writes about going to Korea, they go to a market, I think, and there's like just a list of food. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that as much because I was like, okay, it's just a list. But then there were some parts later in the book where I thought the food descriptions were a lot better and they had a lot more meaning like she talks about when she and her dad come back from Vietnam and like they had just eaten a bunch of heavy food and even maybe after they come back they eat 
out a lot. And then all she's craving is like this pine nut porridge that is kind of like a comfort food. And mm-hmm. that that was like a nice description. It reminds me of like when we come back from like a big trip and I get home and all I want is like dosa or like I know. plain yellow dal and rice. Also, now that I'm like living by myself and um trying to like be my own person, I'm like trying my best to make those things myself. And I understand the struggle that she that she's going through when she's also trying to do that. She doesn't have her mom to lean on anymore, which is sad because for me, I'm just like, call my mom immediately. I'm like, mom, this isn't working. Like, what do I do? <laughs> what did I do wrong? Kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, well, she but, even talks about that. Like, yeah. there's one line where she says, um, I think it's in the first chapter. She says, am I even Korean anymore if there's no one left to call and ask which brand of seaweed we used to buy? And <sighs> I was like, so sad. I know that stood out to me so much because I think of so many times I'm like, I'm going to make this. And then I just text my mom or I call my mom and I'm like how do I make this or like which type of like boha do we get the thicker the thin yeah and like I don't know and then even after um her mom dies and she moves to New York there's a whole part where she's describing making kimchi and she has the jars or the pots mm-hmm. and it's like very labor intensive but I-, I felt like that part of the book was really nicely written too it kind of yeah. like goes through her grieving process as she's making the food yeah so near the end of the book Michelle gets away from the food aspect of her life and kind of goes into the more music aspect of her life um the book talks a lot about in her adolescence where she always kind of wanted to play music and write music when she was writing it I didn't know much about Michelle Zahner um as a person before I read the book so I didn't know that yeah, she now her. has like this like well-known band. Um, so when she was writing about it in the book, I think even I had a phase when I was growing up where I would play the clarinet, the piano. I tried to learn the guitar and just use that as like a form of expression for myself. Just kind of sit in my room and be like emo and like learn like a Nirvana song on my sister's old electric guitar <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. But so I, I felt like that's kind of what she was describing. But after her mom passes and after it's been a while, she says that one of her old songs was starting to get popular. I think she goes back into the music elements of her life and she becomes a very successful artist. The band is called Japanese Breakfast and I listened to a bunch of their music yesterday because I was just Me like, too. Did you did you yeah, like after it? After reading the book. Yeah. I liked it. I listened to the album Jubilee. Yeah, me too. And I think that's a more recent one. That one is after her mom died and it just sounds like it sounds pretty triumphant. Like it sounds like a Jubilee. Yeah. And I was thinking like you know, like she's like celebrating life or coming to terms with her mom's death in like mm-hmm. a different way. Now that there's some been some time since she was like sad and having more negative emotions about it. Yeah. So I liked it. it gave me kind of like Fleetwood Mac vibes. Yeah, I felt like it was very like light rock and very vibey. Yeah, I really liked her music. Yeah, I also didn't know before reading the book that she's a famous artist and she mm-hmm. has this band. I was looking at her album pictures. I don't know if you saw them, but she's very, I feel like even in forms of like makeup and fashion, she uses that as a form of expression as well. Yeah, the um, there's one song, I don't remember the song, but it, the music video, she's wearing a traditional, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget the name, but a traditional Korean dress. Mm-hmm. But she's like doing very like American things. She's in like a dive bar playing pool. 
and I thought that was cool. It's like nice yeah. visualization. Yeah, I think the book they did a really good job of ending the book in a sort of happy ending, which is like weird to say because her mom <laughs> dies. But um, I was reading an interview that she did where she had different iterations of the ending of the book because she couldn't figure out what was the right way to end. And she said that Mm -hmm. she was scared or worried. She didn't want to include the triumph of her music career in the book because she didn't want to take away from the grief of her mom. But that just ended up being the most fitting ending for the book. And I think she was right because it did kind of give the audience the idea that you can move on and you can still be happy and successful, even if you lose someone close in your life. Mm -hmm. I think the first ending was going to be the chapter before when she's in Korea and it is kind of very bleak. Mm-hmm. And then she added this a little later, kind of to give a little less of a depressing ending. Yeah, it almost, it almost, the way that it was written felt like a fiction book to me. Where it's like this really yeah, it's sad like nicely thing. tied yeah, up in a bow. Yeah, this yeah. like sad thing happens, and then she's like on stage in Korea, and imagining like a movie in my head of like this person who's just like in a crowd crowd surfing and like that's how the movie ends kind of thing so yeah it was yeah it was like a good happy ending well actually speaking of movie they're turning it into a movie wait they are really yeah it is and she's gonna be um she's doing the music for the movie which oh, is cool nice. yeah but she's not playing um herself i don't think so okay yeah and i think that kind of shows what you were saying that the book even though it's nonfiction, it's a memoir it's kind of written like fiction. Yeah. Like if you could change some elements or like you didn't know it was the author, it could have been a fiction story. Just the way she like selects certain moments to talk about or the arc of the overall book. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it'll translate to a good movie. Yeah, I think so too. Do you have anything else? Kai left the storyline pretty abruptly and weirdly. And I didn't fully understand what was going on. Yeah, like, her mom just said something, and then Kai got angry and left. And then after Kai left, her mom was like, I hope she had fun, or something like that. And I was like, no, what do you think she said to her? I was trying to read about it, because I felt felt like I was the dumb one, and I missed out on something. So I was like, let me Google what people thought about her departure. And I couldn't find much. I feel like it was up for interpretation. In some people's minds, people thought that it was all an act. And they, like, discussed her. Her mom told her what was happening. So she, like, decided to do this dramatic exit, which I don't fully believe that, I think. But a couple other people just said that Kai got upset that her mom was choosing to have the daughter in her life. And she just wanted to be the one the one person that her mom could lean on. And I think she was feeling frustrated that that wasn't happening. So she left in a very abrupt Mm. way. Which is kind of like such a self-absorbed thing to do. Yeah. Like even if I was there with somebody and helping taking care of them, I would like give more deference to their more immediate family. Yeah. And if, if I am in Kai's position where I'm helping out a friend that has 
cancer and trying to take care of them. I'm thinking about you, one of you guys and like our friend group that we have. And if one of you guys have a daughter, the daughter that's that age, I would also want to encompass the mother role for one of your guys' daughters as well. Yeah, that's like, true. I w- she doesn't really take care of Michelle, which is sad because people who are taking care of sick people, like their caretakers, need like as much support as the sick people themselves. Like it's really yeah, hard. It's really taxing. And I felt like she wasn't trying I mean, it's not an easy job to take care of someone like that who's going through so much. So having the expectation that she should also take care of Michelle as a daughter is maybe too much. But I feel like that's just something that I would do when she was like, oh, teach me how to make this. And she was like, no, I, I'll just do it. I would think that if someone asked me, teach me how to make this, I would want to listen to them because I want them to feel comfortable and want them to be happy as well. Yeah. And Kai was just true. like, I don't. Kai was like, I don't really care about you, Michelle. I only care about your mom. And so that kind of created like a weird, inhospitable environment between the two of them. But and yeah, then she just left and that was weird. And they don't they don't really talk about her again. Oh, but I guess when she dies, I think they do talk about her again. But but I don't think she comes to the wedding or anything. No, I don't think she does either. Weird. So, Neha, do you have a passage for us this week? I do. I think altogether, there's a lot of like small passages that are very meaningful and hit hard. But I think this one kind of describes what I was saying about how she uses food as an expression of how she copes with the grief. I had thought fermentation was controlled death. Left alone, a head of cabbage molds and decomposes. It becomes rotten, inedible. But when brined and stored, the course of its decay is altered. Sugars are broken down to produce lactic acid, which protects it from spoiling. Carbon dioxide is released and the brine acidifies. It ages. Its color and texture transmute. Its flavor becomes tartar, more pungent. It exists in time and transforms. So it is not quite controlled death because it enjoys a new life altogether. I like that. When she describes food, it seems like very scientific, but... Everything has like a double meaning when she's talking Mm -hmm. about this. It's like, obviously, she's talking about life. And yeah, I just really like that passage. Yeah, it's very visceral. Mm -hmm. Like, And that's the thing I like about how she writes about food. I feel like we should do. There's so many books that food plays an important role, but I haven't read that many of them. So it'd be nice to like see how other authors use food in their work and like what meaning it carries. Mm hmm. All right, well, it's time to filter the chai. Yay. (laughs) Um, I'm also drinking chai right now. Oh, I'm drinking coffee. Wow, that's so not our brand. I know. know. (laughs) Okay, Um, do you think this book will stand the test of time? I was going to say no, because even though there were a lot of parts of the book that I liked, I thought that overall it didn't feel super cohesive to me like there were parts that jumped around and I thought some of the things she said about identity were not new like it's kind of something that we're familiar with and she doesn't treat it in a different way when she goes to school and like kids are like ew like why is your food stinky um but also maybe that's just me and it feels old because it's my experience also yeah Um, but I don't know if it's in books that much this kind of 
mother-daughter parent-child relationship in an immigrant family and specifically in an Asian family um, that I think is very different from my non-South Asian and Asian friends, their relationships with their parents. And it's very hard for somebody to get it. I remember I've like spoken to people about my when I talk about issues I'm having with my parents and it's somebody who's not from that background, the answers they give me are just so out of this world about how to deal with it. I'm like, no, like that would never work in my mm-hmm. family or like things like that. And um, she does a good job of displaying like the issues she had with it or like why it was painful for her, but then also just like the love that was behind all of it. Even though I did like the book and I think it was, I, I think I would recommend the book But just in terms of it being like an example of standing for something that I think would make it that makes it profound enough that like 20 years down the line, I would still recommend it. I think there there may be better examples out there to explain what you said about the mother daughter relationship that may be more intense, because like I said, the book was very light and very readable Mm -hmm. and maybe that's a good thing because maybe people would be more likely to read it. But I think for that reason, I, I I did say no. Yeah, that's true. And it's like hard to say yes or no, because I think this book is having a moment, or at least in the past couple of years it has. And I think it, for many reasons, has become a bestseller. You know, she's like a famous musician. And then also, I think Asian American, especially East Asians, are being more recognized in the media and like their stories are being told more. So I think that's part of it. And then also just like family dynamic stuff has been big lately. So yeah, I agree. It's like hard to say whether 30 years down the line, I would still single this out and be like, yes, but just for the mother daughter relationship. Yeah. That, that will stand out to me in 30 years, whether or not I recommend it. Yeah. I'm also wondering because I feel like we're living in a point of time where like first generation immigrants are all telling their story and all of our stories are very similar to the point where we're, we're we have parents that are old fashioned or set in their ways and then we're kind of growing up in a different dynamic because we're all living in, in the states versus our home country we're like 20 30 years down the line that's no longer going to be the story told. It's going to be like second generation, third generation, and that's going to be very different where maybe this is a good example of like a very classic first gen story of like an immigrant and dealing with like the mother daughter relationship with an additional aspect of her mother passing away. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it will stand test time, but yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What would you give it out of 10? Uh, I give it an eight. I really liked it. It was a it was a good it was a sad read. I did cry. Surprisingly not at the part that you would think that I cried. I yeah. cried at the at the wedding. Oh. <laughs> I didn't cry when she was dying. I cried in like the first chapter. Oh, or like when yeah. she was making kimchi or like something random. <laughs> what about you? I give it a seven out of ten. I also liked it and there were parts that really I thought were quite poignant. But <laughs> I think there was just something overall that didn't feel complete. Like it, I thought some of the stories and like the order or the structure was a little bit not cohesive. Mm-hmm. And 
that was why I think I liked reading the first chapter as the New Yorker essay, because that was a complete piece by itself um, versus connecting with everything else. There was just something a little bit missing. Yeah, I get it. Um, Okay, should we move on to shelf discovery? Yes, let's do it. What did you have? I have two. The first one is The Death of Ivan Ilyich by Tolstoy, and it's somewhere in between. It's probably a novella based on the length. Um, It's fiction, and it's about a man who dies. It's not a spoiler. It's in the beginning. It's like the first chapter. And so it starts with him dying, and then it goes back and it talks about his not reflections, but it goes through certain moments of his life. And I think Tolstoy's understanding of the psyche and people's thoughts, relationship psychology is so brilliant that the way he does it by the end, I was like transformed. I just, (laughs) it's very, yeah, it's, I don't know. It makes you like think about life and death. And so for that theme, I would recommend that book. Yeah, And then my other recommendation is also a memoir about the sickness of a loved one. It's Paula by Isabel Allende, who's famous for like the House of the Spirits and a lot of novels. Um, but this is a personal memoir she writes about her daughter who is sick with a really rare neurological illness and she slips into a coma. And it describes her that whole thing, like her taking care of her and their family. And it's also very sad and heartbreaking. And I would say that one is a little bit more lyrical and literary compared to crying H Mart's a little more like raw and kind of real mm-hmm. the way you would talk to up here. Um, so different vibes, but very similar theme. Those sound like good reads. My shelf discovery isn't necessarily related to grief and loss. I don't know why I just got reminded of this book, maybe because it's also a memoir um, it's called Know My Name by Chanel Miller. Have you read it? I haven't, but I've been seeing it around and I want to. It's not an easy read. Like how saying this one, even though it talks about difficult things, it was still like very readable. Know My Name is really hard. And it's it, it basically it talks about um, it, it's a memoir by Chanel Miller. It talks about her experience being sexually assaulted um, by an athlete named Brock Turner. It was like all over the news when it happened. So I'm sure most people have heard of it. It was so hard to get through, but it's just so moving and so well-written that I, I recommend it. If you're in that mood to read something hard, I think it's an important read. Um, It also talks about um, just the difficulties of being an Asian American in the public. And it's a very good book. So next week, we're going back to fiction and we'll be reading uh, or not next week. I keep saying next week and it's not a week apart (laughs) and neither are recordings. But um, we'll be reading Jazz by Toni Morrison, which I'm excited about. Have you read any of her books? No, but I I did start reading um, this book like a couple like a week ago, I think. And Mm -hmm. it's not too long. So I'm like I'm already pretty deep into it and I, I like it so far. So I'm excited to talk about it. Okay, yeah, I haven't started it yet. I read The Bluest Eye, which was really good and very sad. And then I think her most famous one is Beloved, which I can't bring myself to read because I kind of know what happens. And it just sounds too sad and devastating. What is it about? So that one is about, I don't know the full details, but it's about this woman. who It's back in like slavery times and she's a slave Mm -hmm. and it's about her family and just like the horrors 
that oh, she deals yeah, with trying to escape easy. and I don't yeah so maybe maybe when I'm in like a easier time of my life I'll read it but jazz yeah. I think is supposed to be different from a lot of her other books so that'll be good thanks for listening to the novelty we are your hosts Neha and Trithi and our music is created by Apurva Koti we love to hear from you so send us book recommendations episode commentary or even critical feedback you can find us on Instagram at thenovelty.pod or email us at thenovelty.pod at gmail.com. Until next time, happy reading.